get in going this morning and, and have a get back in what we've been looking at. Last week we, we looked at the issue here down in, in really in verse 10. We'll start reading in verse 7 to get the flow and the context and then um, uh, get into verse 10 here once again. Verse 7, Paul says, Wherefore, I'm sorry, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, so not only we're going to preach the message, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who hath created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by his church the manifold wisdom of God. And we looked last time at that issue about the angelic host. And uh, I titled it Angels Among Us because that's how you get people to click on them and look at it. Go, oh, wow, cool. you know. <laughs> but in reality, verse number 10, verse number 7 and 8 and 9, that's Paul's purpose. Here's what we're about. Here's our vision statement. Here's our mission statement. Here, here's what we're going to, here, here's, here's the, the goal of all of our ministry. And, and, and there's a purpose to it. The purpose is, yes, to make all men see, to, to have the doctrine become real in our lives and put on display there. But then also that there's an impact into the angelic host, into the angels. And we looked last time at the fact that you and I today, we don't need angels. Okay, first of all, angels belong to the nation of Israel and her program. They were, I, I showed you two of the major categories. One is that they were Israel's protectors. They would come in and put a hedge about them. They would come in and do different things and protect them. And then two, the next major area of influence that angels had was that they would bring the word of God to them. They would instruct the nation of Israel. Gabriel, I, you think about Joseph and Mary. Mary pops up pregnant. Joseph doesn't know what's going on. You know what that, oh, scandalous, the headlines. <laughs> okay, here it is. And yet, who showed up? Gabriel shows up to set the record right. Here's what the word of God is, Joseph. Relax. Something's going on with Mary. It's good to go. You do your part. We'll take care of the rest, okay? You and I don't need that today. You're in Ephesians 3. Look over at chapter 1, just of Ephesians. Quickly, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You see, the fact is, is that when you and I trusted Christ, and He became our Savior, the Father reaches down and seals us with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be sealed with the Holy Spirit than protected by a guardian angel. Holy Spirit's the top guy. He's the CEO. <laughs> the guardian angel is a ministering spirit. The CEO tells the ministering guy what to go do. I like the big guy. I'd rather be protected by him. So I don't need a guardian angel to protect me. Who's protecting me today? The Holy Spirit is. I'm sealed there. I'm protected there. But now how does the Holy Spirit work? He works with the Word of God. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable 
for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. That is, what does perfect mean? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So now I have the completed word of God. Well, what did the angels do to Israel? They brought the word of God, kind of piecemeal it. Gabriel looks at Daniel and says, I'd have been down here a little quicker, but I had some trouble. I'm here now. Here's what the vision is, and here's what it means. You and I, we have the completed word. So we don't need an angel to bring us another message. By the way, if an angel brings you a message, check what you ate the night before. Okay? All right? If it was that famous Dave's barbecue, we might be talking to you. If he does, write down what he said because that's extra biblical. Now pay attention to that. The problem, look over at Colossians. I thought about this. Look at Colossians chapter 2. The thing about the angels, Colossians chapter 2, is that if one showed up and sat down next to you, you it would, he would knock you out faint, make you faint out. I mean, just boom. Because it'd scare you. Okay? People got an idea that angels have wings and all this stuff and everything, and that comes from superstition, comes from religion. In Scripture, the only winged angel, and we're talking about an angel, not a cherub, not a seraphim or a teraphim, because those, those guys have wings. In Ezekiel, it's, she's called wicked. So a winged angel ha has a name of wicked. Okay, But look at Colossians 2. Watch verse number 18. Just, just notice this. We've got to move on here. I spend all day talking about these guys. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of what? Angels. Intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. You see, if you say you saw an angel, you're just trying to promote yourself. That verse says you haven't seen one. That verse says you're not going to see one. That's why I said you got to check what you ate the night before. Okay. By the way, all of the new Bibles pull out hath not seen. They remove the not. So they make you where you have seen it. Okay. So you got to be careful. Now come back to Ephesians 3. So we introduced all of that to you last time. So you and I, we really don't need an angel. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the completed Word of God. But what I want you to notice in verse 10 here is something very interesting that you and I, we do have a relationship to the angels and to the angelic host out there. And verse 10 tells us of that relationship. To the intent that now into the principalities and power in heavenly places might be known by the church... Okay, so the church, the body of Christ, has a job that we're going to do what? Make known the manifold wisdom of God. They need to know, the angelic host out there, the, 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 the members of the principalities and powers in heavenly places, which is that angelic realm, they need to know about the manifold wisdom of God, so they are watching us. They are paying attention to what we're doing. And the reason that they're watching us is that they're trying to learn something. They're trying to learn what's going on. Run over with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I have the overhead, but I might leave the overhead here a little bit. You'll forgive me. 
1 Peter chapter 1, and if you don't, then oh well. First, I'm, I'm leaving the overhead, <laughs> whether you like it or not. 1 Peter chapter 1, in 1 Peter 1, there's an interesting uh, little passage here. We, we quickly hit it last time at the end, but I want you to notice, it starts in verse 9. Peter writes, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, he's talking to the little flock, the believing remnant of Israel. Of which salvations the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. So there's going to be some information that the prophets are going to write down that they're then going to go and search and, and study out. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching, now watch what they do. This is what the prophets are doing. Verse number 11. Such searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The prophets, Isaiah 53, he writes down that information about, um, about the suffering of Christ at Calvary. Psalms over there, David writes 20, Psalms 22, 23. He he writes Psalms 22 down about all the events of the Calvary. And then the second half of that chapter, he writes all about the events of kingdom glory. What did they do? What did verse 11 start with? What were they doing? Searching what? What does this mean? And when is this going to happen? When is Christ going to suffer? What does that mean? And when is he going to be in glory? When does that mean? So they're looking for it, aren't they? They're looking for an answer. Verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us that did minister to things which are now reported unto you. So basically what the Spirit told them was, guys, it, calm down. It's not You just write the information down. The guys coming behind you, they're going to understand. Now, naturally, a Bible believer is going to want to do what? Know what's going on. What, what is this? When's it going to happen? Okay. Now look at verse 12. Look at the end of that verse. Which things the who? The angels desired to look into. The prophets are doing the writing. The prophets, they write Isaiah, they write Psalms, they write Ezekiel, all this Jeremiah, all this information about the coming sufferings of Christ and the coming glory. And they're going, what does this mean? When's this going to happen? The Holy Spirit says, calm down. But look who's looking over their shoulder, if you will. The angels are too. And they're looking into it. They want to understand what God's doing today. They want to understand what God's doing there when, in 1 Peter and Israel's program. They're wanting to know what's up. So today, Ephesians 3 verse 10 what are they doing? They're looking at you too. They're looking over your shoulder going, hey, what does this grace mean? What does it say? How does it look? What's going on with it? What's happening here? And in Ephesians 3 there, verse 10, it belongs, it's the duty of the church to make known that manifold wisdom of God. It falls to you and I. We were talking in the break here uh, a little bit. Uh, you guys, I don't know if you've ever, if you've heard of the flat earth mess nonsense that's floating around. Just dismiss it. As a Bible believer, you ought to dismiss all that. 
I'm on a little hiccup here, a little uh, cul-de-sac move, I call it, okay? Not a rabbit trail, a cul-de-sac move, okay? As a Bible believer, as someone who understands what God's doing today in the age of grace, he's forming the church, the body of Christ. He has given you and I a vocation. Are you in Ephesians 3? If you're not, go to look over in chapter 4. Look at verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. What is our vocation that we've been called by? Ambassadorship. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 and 20, right? If we're his ambassador, what does an ambassador do? Our ambassadors get called home. They get called in to meet with the heads of state and say, this is what the United States says. Let my people go. What, what is, that's what an ambassador does. What do you and I say? We look at people and we say, grace and peace, don't we? The proclamation of the Godhead to the world today is one of grace and peace. Hey, we, we are to have, see all men get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what does it matter whether the earth is flat, square, rectangle, purple, pink, blue? It doesn't, does it? What's our job? And be an ambassador, okay? So you don't need to waste your time in the 80,000 80, hours of junk that's out there. But they like to have something to talk about. I'd rather talk about life in Christ. Ephesians 3. Our job is to put on display, we're to take the doctrine, the sound doctrine, and we're to teach it. And we're to put that on display. We're to have the life of Christ live out in us and live out in, in so that all men can see it. But then those, that angelic realm, if you will, they're sitting in the rafters looking down at you, watching you, watching you. We looked last time in 1 Corinthians there that, where he says we're made a spectacle to the world and to men and to angels. The roles we play. Come over to 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, the roles we play. Yesterday we had a wedding, and we had a good time. And in, in, in preparing the, the young folks for the wedding, we discussed the roles. When you and I are in our roles as husband and as wife, the angels watch that to see how it works. Uh-oh. That was not a good move. No, they see it. They go, hey, this is how God ordained and structured this, and let's see this thing work out. How does it work? Some days you work at it pretty good. Then there are other days you just want to smack him or her. You just had enough to the moon, Alice, right? And, and other days everything's good, and, and you know what the angels do? They go, hey, and, and by the way, there, there are elect angels and there are fallen angels, aren't they? You guys okay? It's only Sunday morning. The good games were last night. Today's nothing, so don't worry about it, okay? Oh, okay. I tell you, no respect, no respect. I watched I, Rodney Dangerfield. I was watching him the other night, sorry. I, I just cracked myself up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So they're watching. They want to see how this stuff works. They want to see in your life where you live. You don't live in my life. I don't live in your life. But Christ lives in both of our lives. 
How does it work in your household? How does it work where you're at? How does it work where you work, where, where you're retired as a grandparent, as a, as a parent? How does this work? That's the wonderful thing about the, the grace of God. It goes into a situation, and you know what it does? It doesn't change it. It purifies it. Now, by purifying it, it will change it, but it purifies it. That's why this message can go around the world and culture not really change too much. It purifies that culture. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 30. The Apostle Paul says, But of him are ye in Christ, Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Look at that. Who God has made unto us, what? Wisdom. Boy, wisdom's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Knowing what life's really all about. You know, what is the purpose of life? I don't know if you've ever asked anybody that, what, what they think the purpose of life is. Usually it's about them succeeding, and it's all about them. But when you come to understand who you are in Christ and the grace message, you know what you really quickly understand? It's about him. That's why he says he's made unto us, and ye in Christ Jesus, who God has made, Christ Jesus has made unto us what? Wisdom. Wow, you know what life's really all about. What's critical? What's going to last for eternity? You know, you, one foot in the grave, one foot out on the banana peel, you're gone. James 4, your life is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You and I, it's, it's, it's reality, folks. What's going to last? Wisdom about that. Then he says, and righteousness. In being right, righteousness, being right, having the, the, the sense, the ability, the understanding to do what is right. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Paul all the time turns and says to you, speak evil of no man. What would be the right thing to do? Not speak evil of any man. He says, lie not one to another. Be honest with all men. Well, that's a good way to live life, isn't it? That's how wisdom about what life's about. Hey, let's do what's right here. Sanctification and sanctification. That's an understanding of the purpose for which we are created. That's that word holy. We're the elect of God. Holy. We're holy and without blame in him. You've got a purpose. Who are we? We're ambassadors. We've got a purpose to go and do. We have a life that we're going to go live, and we're going to live it by some wisdom and some understanding and some knowledge, and we're going to come along and we're going to do what's right. Why? Because that's who we are. We find... Have you ever... As a pastor, I hear people, I listen to people, and you know what? 99.9% of us, we are looking for purpose, for validation, for meaning. And usually we fail in it because we're looking for it in ourselves. We're not looking for it in Christ. And when we look for all of that in ourselves, you know what happens? We fail. We get discouraged. 
we become depressed. Christ said, God the Father says, I made Christ that for you. Quit looking at yourself. Look at over here. Then he says, and redemption. Redemption, being made free. Freedom. Liberty. Those are buzzwords we hear a lot about. We hear it floating around the news air and all that stuff. But real freedom, real liberty. Boy, that's a wonderful thing. But real free, come over to Galatians 5, just real quickly, sorry. Galatians 5. Real freedom comes from an understanding of who you are in Christ and then turning that and going over and then by love serving someone else. Galatians 5 and verse number 1, Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We have our freedom and our liberty and who we are in Christ. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's that issue of going back over here and being underneath the law system, Israel's system. So that's not you. You weren't that ever. You are this over here. You are a member of the church, the body of Christ. You've got a job to do. You've got an ambassadorship to go take care of. You've got a life to go live that puts his life on demonstration in your life and where you live. In your influences. And he says, hey, stand fast in that liberty. Now look at verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Uh-oh. You know with liberty comes great responsibility? I think that gets lost in, on the, the last couple generations. <laughs> liberty takes a lot. I was reading a... a um, Veterans Day and Memorial Day and stuff. And I was, I was reading one time about Arlington National Cemetery. And I don't know, there's, what, seven or 800 men and women buried there. I don't remember the number now. But we, you look out over that. And I'll tell you what, if you're, you don't get a pit in your stomach and a lump in your throat, there's something wrong with you. Because it, it cost. We were up in the North Valley a couple months ago for a funeral at the National Cemetery up there. And a little different scenery. They don't have the big white headstones. But, they, but you look out and everything is military square, <laughs> right? Where it's, it's humbling. Why? Because liberty cost. Your liberty and who you are in Christ cost the son his life. It cost the father to send his son to die for you. It cost. So with that comes great responsibility. We, gotta, we have liberty. We have freedom. But watch Paul put the responsibility, the accountability into it. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Great push in recent years to, by love, you know, get out there in community service and this and that. You know what the greatest motivation, I don't, I like books. I read books. I read a book one time about the impact of Christianity on the world, starting back all through. And you know what? If governments would get out of the way, the Christian community would take care of everything. Because they're coming from it from a proper attitude and a proper understanding of what it is to have real liberty. But 
as man will be, they get in the way. Love, freedom, redemption, being made free. Come on over to Ephesians chapter 1 again. Love, the motivation, grace motivation, by love serve one another. I love that. By love serve one another. It, do, it gets there, by the way, because you understand who you are in Christ. You don't just jump in and go, oh, I love everybody. I love everybody. And not that kind of love. Okay? It's Philippians 1, verse 9, 10, and 11, where he says, I want your love to abound yet more and more in all judgment and all understanding. Mental attitude thinking. A renewed mind thinking about looking at the situation and applying the wisdom that you've gained from the word of God, rightly divided, and saying, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to say. This is how we're going to make that decision. And then when the decision blows up, you know what you do? Oh, no. No. You sit there and you say, you know what? That, was a, that decision didn't work out. Let's clean up the pieces. Let's clean the mess up. And let's, not make, let's make this one next time. You with me? You guys there? This is what the angels are seeing, folks. This is what they're needing to learn. Ephesians. Verse, uh, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Notice we're to be about demonstrating the manifold wisdom of God. Notice Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, the, the passage starts, the context starts in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So this is activity of God the Father that God the Father is doing because we're in his Son, Christ. So he's going to bless us with all spiritual blessings. If you've got them all, you're lacking how many? Nothing. Okay? You're fully equipped. Do you know that the angels would see Israel struggle because they were never fully equipped? They look at you and I, we're fully equipped, and guess what they see? No struggle. Because we're fully equipped. We're complete in Him. By the way, in Him who is the head of all principalities and powers. We're complete in the CEO again. <laughs> you know, Dad always said, well, I don't want the bellhop, I want the CEO. You know? So what does He do? in these blessings. It does a whole bunch of stuff. Run down to verse 8, because we're talking about the manifold wisdom of God. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. How much wisdom did he abound to us? All of it. You know, you hear preachers, oh, you can't know the will of God unless you're doing this or that. Put your fingers in your ears, wait till you see their mouths quit moving, and then open them. They don't, they're, they're trying to get you on a treadmill on a, to do something, to accomplish something that the Word of God says God the Father has already given you. He's already revealed all the wisdom. Everything that you and I need to know and understand and how to live our lives and how to do and how to operate one with another in all of the aspects of life is found in the Word of God rightly divided in Paul's epistles. I, everything else is just life experience. Romans 5 says, Tribulation worketh patience, and patience what? 
Experience. And experience works what? Hope. Isn't that amazing? I come in, I take the word of God, and I apply it to the detail that's going on, and you know what happens? I learn that was a good, I made the right decision, or I made the wrong decision. What then do I have? Experience. Excuse me, experience. And then what does experience say? Don't do that again. Do this. So I come over here and I do that. But notice the verse 8 says, all wisdom and what? Prudence. I love prudence. Prudence is a wonderful word. And what he's talking about here is we have all knowledge, we have all wisdom, we have all understanding. But prudence takes all of that and says, you got it. Now it's clicking. Now you see the big picture for what's happening. Prudence is a big picture word. Prudence gets out there among everything and says, here's what it all means. Here's, here, have, you ever, have you ever run into somebody and you get to talking to them and you find out they have a hidden agenda and you can see it before they ever say it? That's prudence. Prudence is being able to look behind and go, that's really what they're after. That's really what's happening. So he says, I gave you all that. How did he do it? Verse 9. Having made known. How did he abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence? Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. What did he do? He made known unto us the mystery of his will. If it was a mystery, that means before he made known it was a what? A secret. Nobody knew. Secret, secret, secret. And he says, I'm going to make it known. And when he does that, he makes known. He, he releases it to us. We have all wisdom and we have all prudence now. Because why? Because we know something, don't we? Well, what do we know? Verse 10. Here's, here's the mystery of his will. That. In the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, and off he goes. And he just starts right back up. But notice verse 10, the that. Here's the, here is the will of the Father, that out there in the dispensation of the fullness of times, what's he going to do? He's going to gather everything back up underneath the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's things on the earth or whether it's things in the heavens. So that begins to ask the question, what are the all things? And what's he talking about? And what's he getting to here? By the way, the dispensation of the fullness of times. The fullness of something. The fullness. That's when... When the end result shows up, it's what? It's full. I was filling the swimming pool one day because I left the backwash open, and it ran all night and backwashed down the street. <laughs> we had to clean the street in the neighborhood, you know? It's like, oh, my goodness. So I had to call the city and tell them, look, there's going to be about 15,000 gallons going in, and this is one. And they're like, okay, we'll send somebody out and open up the hydrant for you. And they did. I was really surprised. But anyway, they sent me a bill. Don't worry. I went off scot-free. <laughs> but a little quicker than the hose. But you know what happened? When that hose got done and it got to where it needed to be, the pool was what? Full. It was done. 
Then it stormed a couple days later, and it filled the rest of it up, and it's flowing out. I'm like, doggone it, i got to go. So then I put a big note on my forehead. Don't forget to stop the pool pump. <laughs> you know, Fullness. It's, it's come. The, when the end result shows up, what was the, why did God create time? Because when the fullness of times, notice it's plural, all the times, Genesis to Revelation, all that time, a thousand years is a day with the Lord, all that time, times, the, the new heaven and the new earth begin. All of that times, why did he create all that? The verse tells you that he could gather in one all things in Christ, which are on earth and, um, sorry, uh, which are in heaven and which are on earth. You see, we have the space dimensions, height, depth, width, but we have this time phenomenon as well. Time's a wonderful thing. I would say if anyone ever watched The Twilight Zone, but I don't know if everybody has. But in the Twilight Zone, there was a show where the guy had a watch, and it would stop, everything would freeze, and yet it would still go tick, 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 never stop. Time is the way you measure the distance between events from A to B. The other night I took the girls' volleyball team from the high school, come over to Colossians chapter 1, down to Florence, it took us 45 minutes. How do I know that? Because when I started, I looked at my clock, and when I finished, I looked at my clock, and the distance between A and B was 45 minutes. That's time. When you and I, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord when you die, right? You know what stops when that happens? Time. Because you're no longer under that constraint of sin. And that clock on the back that says, you better hurry up, dummy, it's getting close to noon. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. What, what is the all things? He created all of the, he creates time. Time comes to its completion when what? When he's gathered all things back under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether they be in earth or whether they're in heaven. Look at Colossians 1 verse 16. Colossians 1, verse 16. Verse 15, who, talking about Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Similar to what we just read in Ephesians 1, isn't it? Whether, whether they uh, that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Well, where would the visible be? The earth. Where would the invisible be? The heavens. Whether they be what? Thrones. Who sits on a throne? A king does. Or dominions. A king has a dominion, doesn't he? A section, a territory. Or principalities. What is a principality? You see the word prince in there? It's a government. We're talking about government, aren't we? Or powers. Who's got the power 
Who, who did in Romans 13 did God give the power for avenging the wrong? Government. Or all things were created by him and for him. What was the government created by? It was created by Christ. But who was it created for? Christ. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Who holds all that structure together? You go back and read in the creation accounts and stuff, back in Psalms and everything, and he's, he's got the ordinances, and they're there, and they're holding all this stuff together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, what are the all things? Government. In the context, in all things, he can have the what? Oh, he will be top dog, preem the preeminent one, the Lord of Lords and the only potentate. <laughs> I love that. The only potentate. He is the head. For it pleased the Father. Who did all this for him? The Father did. That in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through, his blood, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Again, what are the all things? The government. And what's he going to do? Reconcile. That's a wonderful word, reconcile. It just means to change the situation from enemy to friend. Fix it. He's going to fix it all back to the way it should have been originally. Except we have a usurper that shows up. So in verse 20, just in case you forget, by him I say whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. What's he going to do? He's going to gather all of the governmental realms of authority back under the headship of his son. On the earth, he's going to use Israel and the true Israel of God, the believing remnant, the little flock, and he's going to take them and he's going to set them over the, the governmental structure of the earth. He looks at Peter and them say, hey, what do we get when you come back in your kingdom? What do we get? And he says, you'll be sitting on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And he, then he looks over there to that little flock and he says, hey, how many, uh, you remember the little talent parable? And the guy comes back and he's got 10 talents and he gives him authority over 10 cities? Hmm, interesting. That little flock, that believing nation will come out there and then they're going to be again to run the Gentiles and rule over them in government. As the earth gets divided out into the 12 sections of Israel and according to her number, and they come in and, and God sits, resurrects David, puts David back on the throne. And then God sits as the king, the, pre, the, the, the priest, the prophet, and the king over that royal priesthood, that holy nation, as they function and rule and reign over the earth. Everybody worried about the earth. God's got it figured out. Don't worry about it. Okay? And you know what he does then? He goes up into the heavenly places, and you know who he uses? He uses you and I. The church, the body of Christ. And he's going to set us up 
in those seven realms of government. He's going to take the, you go back there in Isaiah, and he says he rolls up the heavens, and he shakes out the inhabitants. And you go read Revelation 12, and there's that war in heaven, and Satan and his angels all lose their place, it says. I love a, a location. He, he takes the heavens, and he reorganizes it right back to where it should be. By the way, how many sections do you remember are the heavens? In Psalms, he calls it the zodiac. How many sections are in that zodiac? Do you remember? <coughs> Twelve. Uh, Twelve, you're right. Good deal. Good answer. Twelve. Just help you out a little bit. And he goes back, and right now all of that's polluted, and he cleans all that up, and then he takes you and I in the positions of a principality. That's top dog. That's the top position. The principalities, the powers and the mights, the authority, powers and mights and thrones and dominions and the rulers. I want to be a ruler. You know what a ruler does? A ruler is the one that bounces around. He's the ambassador between all the other groups. And then every other name that's named. So if you think about a slice of pizza, I know it's getting close to nudge. And what do you see in a pizza? Head and it fans out. And every other name, and you know what happens? They take over. We take over the government. Who's there right now? Who is, flip back to Ephesians chapter 6. And I don't know where I'm at in my notes, so we ain't going to worry about it. (laughs) Look at Ephesians 6, verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Where are we going? Chapter 3 and verse 10, where we've been. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. We're going to come along and we're going to... That, those, that group, those angels are looking down here, and they're saying, those guys are replacing us? <laughs> Look at those turkeys. Look at that. And you and I are their replacements. The verse over there says that we'll judge the angels one day. By the way, that word judge, don't think you're going to be sitting in a courtroom going guilty, innocent. That's not, judgment, discernment. You're not going to be barking orders at an angel. I'm sorry. By the way, if you want to understand what it is to be in the government of God, the Lord looks at the 12 disciples. They're arguing. Who gets to sit on the right hand of God, the, the Son, the Father? And he says, you, your problem is, is that you guys think about lording over like the Gentiles do. In my kingdom, I came to serve not be served. You see, to work in the kingdom and the government of God, heaven and earth, is going to be a work of service, not I'm the boss, get at it. You're not doing that at all. You will never do that to an angel. An angel will look at you and go, ding, see you later, dude. So what are you doing then? There's a commune with them. There's a work with them. They'll come up. Shake your hand. Say, welcome to the neighborhood. Glad you're here. So that judging the angels is not what we think it is. Well, I'm going to boss them around. No. 
You're going to be so busy worrying about trying to figure out that new body. Could you imagine moving that bo- in a twinkling of an eye? You're going to be George Jetson all over again. <laughs> you guys that don't know what that is, Google it. It'll be all right. You're going to be busy doing things and working and then performing. But the angels are watching that. The angels are looking into who's our replacements up here. And they're paying attention to it. They are, they need to learn some things. And it's our responsibility, a wonderful responsibility to educate them. We'll talk about that next time, okay? Just get today that they're watching us and they're looking at their replacements. And you know what? The fallen angels sit there and say, ah, yeah, look at those bozos. He messed up. Oh, look at that. He did that one. Oh, just like the unsaved people around us do when they find out about you're a believer and they mock you. And the elect angel says, yeah, but we're going to get you in the end. And how they can say that is because they've been learning. They've been looking. They've been inquiring. They've been paying attention. And what they are paying attention to is that manifold wisdom of God. The first component of the manifold wisdom of God, by the way, is this fact that you and I take the heavenly government over. That's why we looked at it. We'll look at the rest of it next time. Just think about that. You and I will replace. We are the reconciliation plan of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the heavenly places. And we're talking about government. That's what we're talking about. That's why it's from the very beginning with Adam, he established Adam as a king, as a prophet, and as a priest. Until he fell, then he lost it. But he said, man, you go out there, we didn't go look in Job this morning, Man's got a deal, and the deal is to run the show, run creation. But we're going to do it his way. Problem is, we fall, the usurper showed up, Satan showed up, and now, now we're doing it our way. So we have problems, okay? Catch what we're doing? We're, we're, our job, a great responsibility, but a wonderful one it is. To know that the angels do watch us. They're looking at us. But they're looking at you to see how the message, the sound doctrine works in you. Because they know you're their replacement. And they're excited about that, by the way. They don't, they're not like us. And Have you ever been on a job and your replacement gets hired? And you know it. <laughs> you know, so you're over there sabotaging it to slow it down. They don't do, they're not doing that. Actually, they are looking for, Romans 8's clear, they're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. They're waiting for it. They want it to be done. So then they can move on and get into what they're to do. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for everything that we have in your son. And as we fellowship one with another and around that, we'll just give you the honor and the praise and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.